Praise the Lord. Well, the Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. Amen. Good to have everybody out here on a Sunday night. Praise God. It's a great. Uh, this is a exciting time of year, you know, around here. For those of you that have moved in to be students, we enjoy getting the students back on campus. A lot of you stay over the summer. We appreciate that too, but uh, just the influx of, uh, of uh, energy and uh, uh, that type of thing that comes with the expectation that you bring, uh, it energizes us all. So we're so glad that you're here, and we just give praise and honor to God and expecting great things. And Raymond Bible Church is a church that, if, you know, if you're here this morning, uh, <laughs> the move of the Spirit of God, but, but also, you know, we're a church that uh, just doesn't minister. We send people out all over the world, all over the world. And uh, this is the, if you will, the home church, the mother church of many, many ministries and ministers around the world. And we just thank God. We're glad you're a part of it here tonight. Amen. If you got your Bible, open up to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. I want to talk a little bit about some characteristics of faith tonight that we see in, this, in uh, what is said here about Moses. Uh, it's beginning in verse 24. I'm going to read from the New Living Translation tonight and uh, just uh, it kind of just sorts things out a little easier. Uh, I still got my King James here, you know, just to carry it like the Apostle Paul, you know, he carried it everywhere he went. No, I'm joking, but amen. But uh, verse 24, let's read here through verse 28. It was by faith that Moses, when he grew up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to share the oppression of God's people instead of enjoying the fleeting pleasures of sin. He thought it was better to suffer for the sake of Christ than to own the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking ahead to his great reward. It was by faith that Moses left the land of Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He kept right on going because he kept his eyes on the one who is invisible. It was by faith that Moses commanded the people of Israel to keep the Passover and to sprinkle blood on the doorposts so that the angel of death would not kill their firstborn sons. So here in this, uh, these verses from verses 24 to 28, we get some uh, a recollection of what happened in the life of Moses. Notice that everything here, it says, was done by faith. You know, so many times we think faith. Now, there's some things we're going to see here that uh, faith does. Then if you're, fa- if you're not doing in faith, then your faith's not complete. Amen. And, you know, sometimes we wonder, well, I wonder why my, it doesn't seem like. Remember, now we're to live by faith, right? Not just have events of faith. We live by faith. It is our lifestyle. Tell, tell your neighbor, it's my lifestyle. And so there's some things about faith. Here, verse, the first few verses, the first verse there, notice it said that he chose to share the oppression of God's people instead of enjoying the fleeting pleasures of sin. Faith will cause you to sacrifice. That's my first point. Now, I know that's not a very good point to start with because people, oh, oh my Lord, we're going to talk about sacrifice. I don't want to sacrifice. Come on, brother. Talk about my Cadillac and whatever the other things God's going to get because, you know, all the other. I'm going to talk to you about sacrifice tonight. 
start with. By faith. By faith. He chose God and God's people rather than the world and its pleasures. Look at Matthew chapter 6. Look what Jesus said about this. Faith is, will, will cause you to make sacrifices. Amen. You know, again, a lot of folks don't like to hear that. They don't want to hear anything about sacrifice. And, uh, uh, you know, now salvation is free. Salvation is free. Then I heard someone say this, but to live a saved life will cost you everything you've got. In other words, to live like a Christian, we give up everything. We're bought with the price. We don't belong to ourselves anymore what's at all, do we? We belong to him. And so we give up on our rights and our privilege. Well, I've got rights. You have whatever the Bible says you do. Yeah, absolutely. Now, we're not talking about, when I talk about sacrifice, we're not, not talking about putting up with the devil or what we're redeemed from. It's not a sacrifice of faith to be sick because we're healed. But faith will make, cause you to make, it'll make you make choices, choices. And sometimes it appears for the moment to be a sacrifice. Now, Jesus said this in Matthew chapter six, beginning in verse 24, he said, no one can serve two masters. No one. There's not anyone. So let me tell you this. You can never grow so great in faith or so great in the word of God that you could serve two masters. For you will hate one and love the other. You'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money, the New Living says. That is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear. Is it life more than food or the body more than clothing? Now, he's not saying don't make provision and don't get yourself ready. He's talking about don't give in to worry. Look at the birds, he says. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns, for your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? Now, if you, if you wonder about birds sometime, I'm going to invite you. I don't know exactly what, but it's just in, the, in the, about a month ago here. Down at 101st and Aspen in Broken Arrow, there there's a come and go on the corner. And there are power lines all up and t- t- and there is a time of the year that there are thousands, if not hundreds of thousands, birds on those power lines. All right? But you know what? God says you're way more valuable than they are. And they don't work. They just gather. It's already been provided. He said, why worry about your clothing? Or verse 27, can all your worries add a single moment to your life? Why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing. Yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that they're here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? So don't worry about these things saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. I like the Amplified Bible. It says, it says, it says his way of being and doing right for righteousness. Seek that. Well, I want you to notice here, you have to make a decision what you're going to serve. Moses made a decision. 
Now remember, he's raised as a son of Pharaoh. He's raised in the, the, the king's palace, if you will, the Pharaoh of Egypt. He's raised there. He's an heir to the throne. He's got an older brother, but he's an heir to the throne should something happen. He's raised there. there. But there came a time he had to make a choice. I'm going to go with God. Amen. Or I'm going to enjoy the pleasures of this world and sin for a season. How many of you found out that sin is only pleasurable for a season? Amen. On the way to church tonight, we saw somebody that was enjoying the pleasures of driving real fast on South Elm, except for there were six police officers tailing him with their lights on. His pleasure of sin is only going to last for a season. Amen. And that's about, about what we're talking. But there comes times that, you know, you've got to make the sacrifice. Amen. You know, it's not always, you know, if you want certain things in life, you know, I, back, when, back when I was an athlete and doing things of that sort, back when, you know, when I was in, in, in growing up in middle school and high school and I played uh, c- collegiately athletic basketball and, and uh, I played golf too, but that, I shouldn't even count that. That's just fun. You know, go free golf? Are you kidding me? You go to the course every day, play for free. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. But, you know, there's sacrifices. There's things that you can't do. Amen. And be a success. Well, the same thing's true here. Faith will lead you to sacrifice what is not needed. Doesn't that, doesn't necessarily mean it's bad. It could be sin, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's bad, but to sacrifice that in order to follow and obey God. Amen. You know, we look at things, you look at things around here now and you see, you know, this great auditorium and, you know, the pastor pulls into a garage, you know, and the, their door, and they get ushered and all that. You know, 50 years ago, he didn't have money in his pocket to eat lunch every day. Didn't have any money to eat lunch. For 18 months, he said, we never, we never went out to eat. He said, my kids thought my favorite, my favorite food was grilled cheese and tomato soup. Because we could afford that, and that's what we ate. If we got any meat, we fed it to our kids. But he said this, Rama is going to go if I have to sell everything I own. Well, he made a sacrifice. He made a choice to follow God. You know, every one of you in here is going to come to a place of decision and choices. What do you do? You follow faith. And you don't have faith in the world, do we? We have faith in whom? God, and through your relationship with God, in faith, do without in order that you can have what God has for you. All right, the next thing it says in verse 26 back there in Hebrews 11, he says, he thought it was better to suffer for the sake of Christ than to own the treasures of Egypt. And listen to this, for he was looking ahead to his great reward. Faith has expectancy. Faith caused you to sacrifice. Faith has expectancy. He was looking ahead to the reward. Now, he didn't exactly know what the reward was yet because, you know, there was, uh, uh, when, he, when he first made the decision to leave, you know, and he, he rose up and killed, killed the Egyptian guards because they were harassing the, uh, the, Israeli, 
the, the Jewish people and he got, you know, he had to flee for his life and lived out in there for 40 years, shepherding his father-in-law's sheep and the whole, then God finally appeared to him after 40 years. Think about this. You're raised 40 years in Pharaoh's house. Then you spend 40 years out raising sheep. Okay. Then God appears to you. But if he hadn't made the decision before 40 years ago to f- follow God and to do God's pleasure, God never could have appeared to him 40 years later. But there was a reward. He said, come on. He said, when you come back, he said, I'll lead you. You'll lead my people here and we'll, we'll, they'll worship here. But look at 1 John chapter 3. Let's look at something here. I want to tie all these things to some New Testament, not just with Moses, but some New Testament. How many of you know we got a reward ahead of us? Now, we've received many things because we're joint heirs with Jesus Christ right now right now. But there's a greater, there's not, let let me say this, there's not one thing that we've received here on earth that is greater than what's coming. Ephesians 1 says the Holy Spirit is the down payment of our redemption. My, think about that service this morning. The Holy Ghost moved in our midst. People got excited, you know, and all things. But not only that, people were ministered to. There was lives changed this morning. And that's just the down payment of what is waiting ahead for us with God. Just the down payment. The, the, the King James uses the term earnest. Have you ever purchased, some of you have purchased a house, you have to put a down payment down, earnest money down, which says, I'm guaranteeing I'm going to follow through with the contract. Right? You put the money down. Well, you know, it depends on how much you, you got, but sometimes, you know, they'll do 10%, 20%. You know, of course, the more you have down, the better off for you. But if you put that down, but it's not the whole, the whole payment. That's what we've got right now. What we have on earth, healing for our bodies, all of our needs met according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus, freedom from sin, from sin, hallelujah, redeemed from the curse of the law, all those things seated at the right hand of God, Hallelujah. All of those things we have are just the down payment. First John chapter three, verse one. See how very much our father loves us. We talked, we sang that tonight, didn't we? For he calls us his children and that we are. But the people who belong to this world, who, people who belong to this world don't recognize that we are God's children because they don't know him. Dear friends, we are already God's children But he has not yet shown us what we will be like when Christ appears, but we do know that we will be like him, for we will see him as he really is. And we have this eager expectation. And I said, and all who have, I like the kingdom, but all who have this eager expectation will keep themselves pure just as he is pure. Glory to God. An eager expectation. That's what Bible hope is. Bible hope is to expect something confidently and be joyful about it. It, it, You could never say you have Bible hope if you say, well, I sure hope so. No, that's not Bible hope. Bible hope confidently expects it's going to happen. The difference between hope and faith says, I got it now. I'm not expecting it. It's mine now. But you stay in hope until you get to that place of faith. You might be hoping for something right now, but do it with joy. The joy of the Lord is going to be your strength. And just keep after it. Keep looking at it. Keep letting that hope build an image of you having it. And then one day you can't help it. You'll just start saying, I got it. I've got it. It's mine now. Faith 
has an expectancy. Hallelujah. Number three, faith is enduring. Faith is enduring. In verse 27 of Hebrews 11, it says there that it was by faith that Moses left the land of Egypt not fearing the king's anger. He kept right on going because he kept his eye on he who is invisible. Now, how can you endure? How do you endure? By courageously looking to God instead of looking at your circumstances. This all has to do with what you focus on. You know, there in Mark chapter 5, with that woman that had the issue of blood, you remember, I like Mark's, Mark 5, but it said, you know, there was a woman that had an issue of blood 12 years and spent all that she had, had been to many physicians, spent all she had was nothing better, but rather grew worse. I think about that for 12 years, every time she heard about a new doctor or maybe a new, she went to the doctor and every time it proved not to work for her. For 12 years. But one day she heard about Jesus. And she decided, I'm never going to look to a doctor or man. Nothing wrong with it. Thank God for doctors. Listen to me now. Thank God for doctors. But she said, I'm never going to look to doctors again. In fact, what she did that day, she made a decision. I'm going to be, I'm either going to get healed. I'm going to get my healing or I'm going to die today. After 12, she's had it. She went out in the crowd. She's not allowed out in the crowd. She's unclean. She came in the press behind. What does that mean? I mean, there's a mob following Jesus. She pressed her way through the crowd and just reached out to get a hold of the hem of his garment. She didn't touch him on the back. She didn't t- She's down on the ground getting a hold of the hem of his garment. We don't know, you know, when, we, when I get to heaven, I want to I go to the video store and, and rent that video of her doing that. I want to see. Because I'm wondering, was she so exhausted from fighting her way through the crowd that finally she just reached out. But she had said, if I can touch Buddy's garment, I shall be made whole. Jesus knew immediately power went out of him. Her focus had changed. Look at Hebrews chapter 12 with me, verses 1 and 2. At what are you looking? Where is your focus? If you're going to endure, you're going to have to look to God. Instead of looking to circumstances, and listen to me, and instead of looking to man. When I say man, I mean all of us, mankind. Now, I want you to look around in here. I want you to look around in here right now. Look at everybody in here. There's not one person here, and there's not one person on the face of the earth that's your answer. God is your answer. He's your source. Now, he might work through somebody, thank God, and he might work through you to help somebody, but, but you're not, you never become the source of anyone. God is your source. Hebrews 12, 1, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that, slow, that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. Now, how do we do that? We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding the shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor besides God's throne. Hallelujah. How did Jesus endure? How did Moses endure? They looked with joy ahead to the reward. And they kept their eyes on God. You know, that's why the Bible says, keep, keep the word of God, keep it before your eyes. Keep looking at it. 
Keep going over it. Keep it in the midst of your heart. Climb your ear to my sayings. The word of God, keep that in front of you at all times. Hallelujah. It's enduring. It's enduring. And it's sacrificial. Now, before I get to this last one, I want uh, to read it from the New Living because they're, they're, uh, that's what I gave him the rest of them. But I want you to look at something about the enduring aspect of faith and the sacrificial aspect of faith back up at Hebrews 11. And I didn't give you guys these scriptures, I'm sorry. But if you would look at Hebrews chapter 11, let's begin in uh, verse 32. How much more do I need to say? It would take too long to recount the stories of faith of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and all the prophets. By faith, these people overthrew kingdoms, ruled with justice, and received what God had promised them. They shut the mouths of lions, quenched the flames of fire, and escaped death by the edge of the sword. Their weakness was turned into strength. They became strong in battle and put whole armies to flight. Women received their loved ones back again from death. But others were tortured, refusing to turn from God in order to be set free. They placed their hope in a better life after the resurrection. Now listen, all of these things were done by faith. I've heard people say, well, you know, if the apostle Paul just had, had enough faith, he wouldn't have suffered all those things he suffered. Oh, really? Really? All right? Notice these are people by faith. He said some were jeered at. Their backs were cut open with whips. Others were chained in prisons. Some died by stoning. Some were sawed in half, and others were killed with the sword. I think about dying by stoning. How about, how about Stephen? Now think about this. How many times do we read in the New Testament that after the resurrection, Jesus is seated at the right hand of God? But when Stephen looked up and he saw heaven, Jesus was standing at the right hand of God. And he's about, he's getting, he's going to be stoned to death. And he gets a standing ovation from the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords by faith. (laughs) I like what it says. It says, others were killed with the sword. Some went about wearing skins of sheep and goats, destitute and oppressed and mistreated. They were too good for this world. Wandering over deserts and mountains, hiding in caves and holes in the ground. They didn't think they were too good, but what he's saying, the world didn't deserve these people, these people of faith. All these people earned a good reputation because of their faith. Yet none of them received all that God had promised, for God had something better in mind for us so that they would not reach perfection without us. You heard Pastor Hagen say, not not too, I think it was Wednesday night, I stand on the shoulders of V.E. Tipton and Kenneth E. Hagen these men who trained him up in ministry, his father and his father-in-law. We're standing on the shoulders of those that have gone before us. Something better. They're not complete without us. We're not complete without them. Hallelujah. But enduring, enduring. A lot of times people, oh, I don't know why all this bad stuff's happened to me. A lot of, especially a lot of you folks just showed up to Raymond. You can't figure it out. Well, the devil doesn't want you to keep on. But if you just keep on enduring, glory to God. How many of you found out, not just Raymond, but all of us, Raymond Bible Church, how many found out you've got to endure? Amen. Faith doesn't mean that you don't ever have any problems. Faith means you win. Faith is the victory. What is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith? Hallelujah. The final 
aspect of faith I want to talk about is faith brings salvation. He, there, there concerning Moses, it said in verse 20, it was by faith that Moses commanded the people of Israel to keep the Passover and sprinkle blood on the door st- st- stop, post, sorry, door post, so that the angel of death would not kill their firstborn son. That was a type, the Passover, it was a type of our salvation by the blood. The blood was applied. How many know Jesus has applied the blood to our lives? Glory to God. And we're now, it was marked. That death angel came and it would not enter into that house. You know what? There was not one perfect perfect person inside any of those houses that day, but the blood had been applied. And the devil, the, the death could not touch them. Hallelujah. Look at Hebrews chapter nine, verse 11. Thank God for the blood of Jesus. It says, so Christ has now become the high priest over all the good things that have come. He's entered that greater, more perfect tabernacle in heaven, which was not made with human hands, not part of this created world. With his own blood, not the blood of goats and calves, he entered the most holy place once for all time and secured our redemption forever. Hallelujah. Under the old system, the blood of goats and bulls and ashes of a heifer could cleanse people's bodies from ceremonial impurity. Just think how much more, how much more, how much more, how much more the blood of Christ will purify our conscience from sinful deeds so that we can worship the living God. For by the power of the eternal spirit, Christ offered himself to God as the perfect sacrifice for our sins. That is why he is the one who mediates a new covenant between God and people, so that all who were called can receive the eternal inheritance God had promised. For Christ died to set them free from the penalty of sin that they had committed under the first covenant. Think about it. Moses said, here's what God said. You have to go in the house. We're going to sacrifice the animal. If you, if you got more, we're going to eat it all. If you got more, invite other folks come in with you. But we're going to take the blood and put it on the doorpost of the house. Now stay in the house because tonight death is going to pass through. But if you stay in the house, if you stay in, you'll be saved. How? how did they, so how did they have to do that? They had to do it by faith. They had to believe. We have to believe in the blood of Jesus. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Not take it out of our hymnals and our songs because it scares the children. The only thing the blood of Jesus scares children-wise is the children of the devil. The blood of Jesus doesn't scare little children. Hallelujah. Amen. Finally, Ephesians chapter 1. We'll finish up with this. Thank God for the blood. Thank God for our salvation that we receive. How do we receive it? By faith, Right? By grace, through faith. Grace has provided it. Faith receives it. Faith brings salvation. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 3. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. 
So we praise God for the glorious grace he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son. He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. He has showered his kindness on us along with all wisdom and understanding. God has now revealed to us his mysterious will regarding Christ, which is to fulfill his own good plan. And this is the plan at the right time. He'll bring everything together under the authority of Christ, everything in heaven and on earth. Furthermore, because we're united with Christ, we have received an inheritance from God, for he chose us in advance and makes everything work out according to his plan. God's purpose was that the Jews who who were the first to trust in Christ would bring praise and glory to God. And now you Gentiles have also heard the truth, the good news that God saves you. And when you believed in Christ, he identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit whom he promised long ago. The Spirit is God's guarantee that he will give us the inheritance he has promised and that he will purchase, uh, he, that he has purchased us to be his own people. He did this so we would praise and glorify him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Faith will cause you to make sacrifices that are needed. Faith is expect, has expectancy. Faith is enduring. And faith brings salvation. Glory to God. And we live by faith, the children of God. Let's all stand together. Father, we just thank you tonight for your precious holy word. We thank you, Father God, that your word The entrance of your word gives light, but it's by your word. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Thank you, Father God, tonight as we've heard your word. Faith is available. Let us reach out and take hold of it. Let us declare that let every word of God be true and everyone else a liar. Let God be true. Let Let your word be true, Father. Hallelujah. We thank you for it, Father. Father, we thank you tonight as we, as we, as we, get set to leave this place. Father, we thank you tonight that if there be anyone here that doesn't know you, even though we don't have any first-time guests, maybe there's someone here that doesn't know you. Or there might be someone here that needs to just restore fellowship with you, just to come back and, and just say, thank you, Lord. I am your child. Hallelujah. Or there might be someone here tonight that has not received the infilling, what we call the infilling or the baptism of the Holy Ghost, just like on the day of Pentecost. Pentecost, the evidence of speaking in tongues, or there might be someone here tonight, Father God, needs healing in their body. Whatever the case might be, Father, we just thank you tonight that because of Jesus, because of what he's done, because of the shed blood, that blood that still speaks of freedom and redemption and forgiveness, that blood that cleansed the very heavenly holy of holies, it's applied to our life that we can have the promise of the Spirit. And through Him, we have victory. We thank you for it, Father, in Jesus' name. If you're here tonight and you need prayer for any of those things I mentioned or anything else that I didn't mention, ladies, come down to the ladies. Gentlemen, come down here to these gentlemen, if you would, please. They'll pray with you according to the Word of God. And we know that's where our help comes from. Praise the Lord. Well, YA tomorrow night. Don't forget young adults, 15 to 25, down at the MAC. If you want to volunteer, uh, see about volunteering to be a Regal's leader, come on down to the library, which is just the building right next to the MAC down there. Tuesday night, Synergy. I think they're having a summer blowout or something at the NRC. Is that right? And then Wednesday night, Hour of Power. Be, be pray, praying for the Hagans and the whole Living Faith Conference team as they're down in Longview, Texas. Pastor Rusty Brady and his great church down there. 
Amen. God bless you. We'll see you Wednesday night.